0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: Our next guest rose to the rank of Lieutenant General in the Marine Corps and retired, having directed the Defense Intelligence Agency. He says his entire military career was dogged by both subtle and overt acts of racism. He says the George Floyd killing spurred him to talk about those issues publicly. Retired Lieutenant General Vincent Stewart talked with Federal Drive host Tom Temin. You wrote in Task and Purpose that the George Floyd episode, the killing of George Floyd by the police officer in Minneapolis, kind of galvanized something inside you. Tell us what happened.
0: I think if you look at, uh, there are two images that I look at. Uh, First image uh, early in the confrontation with uh, Officer Coven's uh, knee on the neck of uh, George Floyd. Uh, really kind of burned into my, my brain. The first image of, uh, you look at the faces of the two individuals involved, and in the case of the officer, there is anger and rage and domination of this subject. At the bottom of the uh, the picture is uh, George Floyd, uh, the fear and dread and, and panic, and it's palpable as you see the two faces uh, in this confrontation. And then the second image is uh, further on into the uh, encounter where uh, George Floyd's lifeless body, eyes closed. Don't know if at that point he's dead, but he's uh, lifeless and there's, there's no energy in his eyes anymore. His eyes are closed. And Officer Coven on top, casually, cavalierly, uh, 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 kneeling, continuing to kneel on his neck, uh, waiting for something. And when you look at those two images, you can't help but go, what in the world is going on in our country where you can see this played out? And if it didn't touch you, then I I, I question uh, your your humanity because it showed the murder over an eight-minute period, the murder of uh, an African-American male who was handcuffed, who was on the ground with several officers around him being systematically murdered. And that moved me more than anything that I've seen in the last uh, uh, several years. And at that moment, uh, I knew I could not be silent. I had to speak out. I had uh, enough uh, positional authority and enough reputational value that uh, the words that I spoke next would or could have an impact. But those two images are just burned into my head. I can see them. Uh, I see them almost every day because I talk about this almost every day now, and that caused me to move.
1: And your article in Task and Purpose, which went deep into your own childhood and your experiences as an immigrant from Jamaica as a child coming to the United States, has that publication had an impact at this point? Have you had any feedback from it?
0: The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive, to to be truthful. Uh, because I think it opened up my wounds and allowed me to share my wounds with the broader American uh, 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 public. And I think, and that's the reason why I really did that, because it is, as I as I kind of walk through that, uh, my life, uh, I don't think many Americans uh, have the appreciation for when a person of color walks out of his home or her home, uh, we, can, we can pretend that we're all colorblind, but it is impossible to not see that it's not just a tan, that that is a darker person. And uh, the implications or the impact of that is you're automatically, I think, uh, uh, treated a little bit differently. And it, this doesn't imply that all white people are racist or they're bigoted, or, or, but you can't hide the color of your skin a Polish American, an Irish American, a German uh, uh, American can blend in, I can't blend in. And so being able to walk through the history of uh, encounters, overt, covert, uh, blatant uh, uh, bigotry and hatred and racism was important to just have the average American walk just for a moment in my shoes or in the shoes of any other African American. And, uh, and I, had, I couldn't just go, it's horrible for us, and we feel bad about it, and, and life's tough for us. I had to show the pain that went through each of these encounters, and I could give you 100 more of those encounters. Uh, sure. And I just wanted to open that up to the, uh, the, the average American, uh, another demographic that says, this is painful, And this is what every African-American goes through every day, hour after hour, day after day, week after week. It's got to have a psychological impact on you if you endure that uh, throughout your lifetime.
1: We're speaking with retired Marine Corps Lieutenant General Vincent Stewart. And in your article, you mention a lot of incidents that happened after you joined the military and even after you started rising through the ranks. And I guess that's surprising given, well, we know more now in the last couple of months than perhaps generally was known before that, but here it is in the second decade of the 21st century.
0: It shouldn't be surprising because our, our military is drawn from the American people. So uh, you have folks who come from uh, all sections of society, all who may have learned about uh, racism uh, in a positive way, don't, don't be racist or those who've learned about racism that says some other group, ethnic group, is inferior. And so so it shouldn't surprise anyone. Uh, if we draw from the fabric of our society, we're going to draw X percentage of people who will not like people of color, and X percentage of people who will go, uh, they're okay, and, and I just need them to perform. In my service, we've always said it doesn't matter whether you're black and white, we're all green and different shades of green. But even the fact that we say different shades of green implies something, and maybe the darker shade of green, the the lesser person you are, I I don't know. And I know we always have encouraged folks to be performance-based, and we say if you can execute your job, uh, then we're okay with that. But the reality is that sometimes there are people who you cannot, they, they won't wear a white robe and a hood, but they have certain beliefs. And it is almost impossible to measure that. And and here's here's how I'm thinking about this now. If you're running uh, a course and you have a 5 to 10 mile per hour tailwind, you can can probably navigate that course a little bit faster than you would if you had a 5 or 10 mile per hour headwind. And that 5 or 10 mile per hour headwind might be imperceptible but it still slows you down. And so if we're drawn from our society, we should not be surprised that a percentage of those that we draw from society will have bias uh, towards people of color, will have uh, uh, some racist tendencies, and it will manifest itself in slowing down others with just a very subtle headwind.
1: And I guess maybe the hopeful note in what you have written was that you name three white men of privilege, in your words, Generals that actually helped your career in an active, ongoing way. Tell us about them.
0: And and those are the three that I call out, but there may have been others. There may have been some that I didn't see giving me a five mile per hour tailwind, also. Uh, But what these three uh, gentlemen in particular did was uh, spend quality time with me, spending time understanding who I am, building a relationship with me and helping me to think through the next best thing and the next best approach uh, to being successful. They didn't have to do that. Uh, I don't know what they saw in me. Uh, General Rusty Blackman was the first one who ever indicated, and I was a colonel at the time, who ever even suggested that I could be a general officer. Uh, It it wasn't something I thought about. I guess maybe I thought about it, but I didn't dwell on it. But to hear someone who at the time was a three-star, who at the time would have been very competitive to be the next commandant of the Marine Corps, suggesting that, hey, you could be a general officer, and there's what you have to do. Uh, Joe Dunford uh, writing on my uh, evaluation, a future director of defense intelligence agency. Uh, those are powerful languages, uh, language when you put that in front of a board that says a guy like Joe Dunford thinks you have the potential to be a three-star and be a director of uh, the agency. Uh, General Amos uh, spending time talking about uh, my potential and sponsoring me for uh, uh, nominating me, in fact, to be the director of DIA. So those uh, at the top of the pyramid were very, very influential uh, people in my life. Uh, But there there probably are others that I could call out that – Earlier in my career, if I look back, probably was very helpful.
1: And for those young black people or people of any color that's other than white that is joining the military now, what would you tell them from your experience?
0: I would tell them that uh, it's it's more than just hard work. Uh, you have to put in the work. You have to be credible. You have to... Uh, uh, comply, abide, uh, follow the rules and, and guidance that comes from your seniors, uh, you've, got, you've got to be prepared. Uh, one of the things I've always told folks that I don't know that I was ever the first choice, but I always wanted to make sure at the end of the, my uh, assignment, uh, folks would look back and go, yeah, he wasn't the first choice, but he was the best choice. Uh, so you've got to perform. Uh, nothing's going to be given to you because uh, geez we feel guilty that you have, you're a person of color you've got to perform you've got to find people who are good examples and one of the things I stress now is the difference between seeing an example of someone you can see a picture of someone or you can read about someone and you say okay I'd like to be like that person and uh, the difference between the example and the mentors because uh, just because you like the way I look doesn't mean make me your mentor. The mentorship relationship is a personal, interactive relationship. And so how do you find uh, good examples that you can follow and try to emulate? And how do you find the individuals that believe enough in you, in your potential, to truly be a mentor, to build a relationship, to know what your strengths and weaknesses are, to help guide you, and oh, by the way, be a good example. Um, so you've got to put in the work. Uh, nothing's going to be given to you. Uh, don't, don't take on a victim uh, status. And I think sometimes we, we have to be very careful that we don't make ourselves victims. The man isn't always out to get us. Uh, and if you can have a positive approach to, to life, you're going to do just fine.
1: Retired Marine Corps Lieutenant General Vincent Stewart, is former director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. He spoke with Federal News Network's Tom Tenen. We'll post this interview along with a link to his task and purpose column at federalnewsnetworkcom drive. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live
0: Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com/podcast1
1: to learn more and start your free trial.